everyone. Welcome to So Good Sisterhood. I'm your host, Julie Mullins, and my husband Todd and I pastor Christ Fellowship Church together. The So Good Sisterhood is a podcast that is all about investing in every girl from every generation. It's this opportunity to have relevant conversations every single month about living intentionally, leading confidently, and loving generously. And hopefully it will leave you saying, that was so good. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back to the So Good Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in with us, we're so glad that you're spending some time with us today. But if you're a regular, welcome back. And just so you know, we love hearing from you. So you can leave a comment or review this podcast. If there's something that we say that just leaves you saying, that was so good. And today's podcast really is going to be so good. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss one episode with us. Hey, the title of the season of this podcast is follow the leader. It's more than just a game because I really believe that who you follow and how you lead who is following you is so much more than just a game. It is a difference maker. Well, Todd and I, my husband, we actually recently sat down to have a conversation with the one and only Dan Cathy. He's an entrepreneur and the former CEO of Chick-fil-A. And we talked about the difference that his father, Truett Cathy, made in the lives of millions of people and the way that Dan has carried out this legacy of leadership. We invited him to share at our volunteer conference, and what he had to say was so good. I didn't want you to miss out. I knew I needed to share this with you. You know, Chick-fil-A is not only amazing because of the delicious food and its culture of second-mile service, but the heart behind the foundations that they have built to invest in those who are underserved is so inspiring. In our conversation, you're going to hear Dan share about the importance of having having a big why and how we need to be married to our mission, but only date our methods. And if you were ever wondering if there is a connection between leadership and toilet paper, yes, that's right, toilet paper, today is your lucky day. You're going to hear all about it. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. Let's jump in. So thank you so much for being here. We love you guys and we love the Chick-fil-A family. And I thought as we get started, there's some people here that all they know about Chick-fil-A is the great chicken sandwiches and the diet on our plumbers. Could you tell us a little bit more about the Chick-fil-A story and just how you started with your dad and mom and, and that little bit of journey, just to give a little context to where we're going this sure. morning. So the story goes back 76 years now when my father, after World War II, opened a tiny little diner called the Dwarf Grill. And it was so small, that's one of the reasons they call it the Dwarf Grill. We had five stools at the counter and several tables with chairs. We had a cigarette machine on one end and a jukebox machine on the other. And a jukebox machine is a box and you drop nickels in it, plays records and so forth there. MP3 player on steroids, uh, Apple Music and so forth. But it was there in that little tiny restaurant that the product Chick-fil-A was developed. And my dad's sister encouraged him to open up a little Chick-fil-A restaurant at Greenbrier Shopping Mall in southwest Atlanta back in 1967 with no idea that the mauling of America was about to transpire. But we opened that tiny little place. It was a big step of faith, $17,000 worth of tenant improvements and equipment that we put in it to begin with. And we opened a second location at Oglethorpe Mall in Savannah in 1969. And so we kind of followed that wave of shopping mall development over the next 20, 30 years. Then Sam Walton started redefining retailing, riding around in a P-38 
pickup truck out of Bentonville, Arkansas. So the big box mass retailer scene came on. So we began to open up standalone restaurants, 1986. And so that's been a wave that we've been following. Now we're opening a lot of urban locations that's showing us up for international growth. We've got, we do have stores in California, by the way, but uh, we have five restaurants in Toronto. Just opened our second location in San Juan, Puerto Rico, a third under construction. And we have five or six new staff just come on board with us in Singapore. So we're about to launch Chick-fil-A in Asia. And so we're very, very excited about that. So that's a quick rundown on on the story of the business. Yeah, that's amazing. I think, you know, everyone who loves Chick-fil-A, like we love Chick-fil-A, we we have our own Chick-fil-A story, right? Testimony. Like I remember, I remember like being a a high school student in the mid 80s and I would drive 30 minutes to the Palm Beach Mall, which was right down the road. And there was a, I remember going in the mall that one time and seeing the Chick-fil-A open up and tasting my very first Chick-fil-A sandwich. And it was, it was, it really was kind of a spiritual experience, right? And so, so I remember like how from that day till this, the consistency, first of all, has stayed the same. And, and you have seen, you've had like a front row seat to the growth of all of this. And, and you've seen, you know, now, like you said, in 47 states all around the world, over, you know, 2,000 stores. And yet the culture and the consistency has stayed the same. So I'd love to hear a little bit about the secret of just what, what you've seen as an organization, how you've been able to maintain that kind of consistent culture and, and purpose as you've seen it grow. As you were saying about Palm Beach Mall, I have to tell you one of the most tragic experiences of my career happened here when a mall here at Palm Beach Mall that we had a, a murder that took place with one of our team members. And I flew in to attend the service they recognized this individual. His name was Nick. I'll never forget it. This is at least 20 years ago, 25 years ago as I flew in. I'll never forget the, the message in that service to represent Nick. Nick was, a, I think he was a freshman or sophomore at Palm Beach Atlantic. He was very committed in his faith. He was a songwriter, worship leader, played the guitar. And he was the last one to go out the door as we were closing up when three guys walked in at gunpoint and taped him to a chair and he could not open the the safe and they blew his brains out right there. We never reopened that store. It was in a food court location. There's a metal gate that came down. It was covered up with flowers within several days. And when I came to that service, talking about culture, about growing a small company, being there in celebration of moments and it was I needed to be there along with many other parts of the Chick-fil-A family who were bereaving this tragic, tragic circumstance. But the pastor asked and said that Nick knew his ABCs. I'll never forget this. He said, one, he knew that he needed to admit that he needed God in his life. And so it's a huge salvation message, that funeral celebration. B, that Nick believed that if he could accept and see, commit his life to Christ, that that was the way in which he was going to be assured that should anything happen in his life, he knew in that moment he would be with the Lord Jesus. And it was a very, very powerful. I'm still remembering how many funeral services do you go to where you remember 25 years later the message that was there. So every organization has a culture. Some cultures are more healthy than others. Healthy cultures are able to sustain people for a long period of time. They like to stay there because they're growing and this predominantly the culture is set by the tone of leadership. 
and your personality, Todd, you know, your, your DNA, that of your dad as well. One of the things I appreciate, Todd, we have a lot of things in common, including the fact we're both SOBs. <laughs> and, and of course, the first thought that came to mind, I'm sure, was son of the boss. And um, so we're, we're both, this is a small fraternity. Of, I kind of caught you by surprise. <laughs> That's the small fraternity of SOBs that are out there. And, and, and we, 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 can, we can relate to some things, you know, growing up with our dads. Uh, but let me tell you, there's a, a lot of dynamics at play there. You know, how, why do you develop your own identity? Who are you as a person? I mean, own and own and own, especially in such a, uh, a strong personality as your dad and my dad as well. So it's been our responsibility now in the next second generation you know, what will the culture be? What will the personality be? What will be the things that we want to carry from one thing to the next? We have a small little country pastor in Atlanta by the name of Andy Stanley, who, uh, who says that we have to marry the mission and date the methods. And our challenge is to make sure that we're really married to the mission and only date the methods. And if we get that reversed, if we marry the methods and only date the mission, we're in big trouble. So Can I interrupt you just for a second? Yeah. Okay, hey guys, write that down. We are married to the mission. The mission that God has given our church, we are married to that, but the methods, man, we're dating them, and you can tell Julie I dated her, and then I was on again, off again, dated somebody else. True story. True story. We're gonna, before we got married. um, (laughs) There's gonna be methods that you like that we need to change and that we're going to change. But if we're married to the mission, then we know we're going to stay on mission as a church, okay? That's just a side point. I want to make sure. So a healthy culture remembers that and they know that that 95% of it is all about methods. We recently took coleslaw several years ago off our menu, but we had a real decision. Is coleslaw the mission or is it a method? A lot of our customers thought it was our mission, (laughs) along with carrot and raisin salad along with lemon pie, along with grilled delights, a lot of other menu items we've had over the past. But we have to make sure that we stay married to them. Healthy cultures are very cognizant that we're laser focused and committed on a rock on our, our mission. But everything else is a method and subject to change. Our mission, if I could share our, our purpose, the big why statement, and healthy organizations in terms of culture are very driven by a very strong commitment to a burning passion that um, will never be quenched inside our heart and life. And so our corporate purpose at Chick-fil-A, Simon Sinek says, start with why. And it's very important we start with why. Healthy cultures are built on a strong foundation of the big why. And for us, it's our corporate purpose. Over 40 years ago, we authored this, to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that's entrusted to us and to have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. That's why we're here. And you're doing that. That's awesome. You know, speaking about culture, the culture of Chick-fil-A is thick. Like you go in any Chick-fil-A, anywhere you go, it's the same. Like it is solid. It is, it is uh, right. Could you just first start by uh, talking about how do you define the culture? at Chick-fil-A? How do you, what words do you use as you're training and talking to a team? Yeah, well, 
there's many different dimensions I could talk about. I could talk about it at a corporate level and all the change going on there, but I'll, I'd like to, for the sake of this discussion and who's here and your time together, I'd like to focus that response as it relates to the restaurant culture itself and the experience that we want our people to have and want our customers to have. So begin with the end in mind. What is the experience that you want your customers to have when they come in? And I find as I talk about this and think about this myself, one of the things that, that happens in leading an organization as it relates to the culture, the experience that customers are going to have, is we sometimes lose a clarity of the focus and the articulation of exactly what we want them to experience. And so I learned so much from my dad, including the fact that he was enamored with this expression, my pleasure. He had heard that at a Ritz-Carlton, and he just so enthralled him they begin to program us at our Chick-fil-A annual meetings that we would have, that if a customer says thank you, how do we respond? My pleasure. So this little training exercise here for all of you now. If a customer says thank you, how to respond? My pleasure. Any of y'all ever heard that at Chick-fil-A, by the way? And by the way, if you have any sons or daughters that work at Chick-fil-A, they may even say my pleasure at home. It'll, it'll rock your world. You'll fall on the ground if you hear that from a... You know, heathen, barbaric, teenager, my pleasure, but it's quite an expression. And so uh, that clarity, uh, that's exactly what we want to hear. As a leader, I would share with you that oftentimes we're a little fuzzy in our own mind as a leader as to what we want the experience to be. And then it's really fuzzy, you know, when we're, when we're not focused as it relates to the, the frontline workers to make that happen. In preacher language, you'd say, if there's a mist in the pulpit, there's a fog in the pew. And so we've got to get really, really clear as to what. So my dad drilled this into us for 10 consecutive years. He would do this little drill with us. And I, about the second year, I said, well, this could become a server signature. And it led us down a very exploratory track some 20 years ago where we decided that we wanted to make service a key strategic uh, a differentiator for Chick-fil-A, not a different flavor of milkshake, not a new item on the menu, but we want to have a sustained competitive edge built on service. And given our corporate purpose is to glorify God, we latched on to a scripture verse that would be our anchor verse for this, which is Matthew chapter five, verse 41. So let me tell you what that says. You probably have all have it memorized. We were just singing songs based on Matthew chapter seven about the rock that we live on. So let me just go upstream from that Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter five, six, and seven is known as the Sermon on the Mount. It's maybe some things that were said, that Jesus said over several days, but it was all codified into these incredible, powerful, contrarian views that, that were shocking. It was so shocking at the last verse of chapter seven. It says the people were astonished at his teaching because he taught as one having authority and not as the scribes. And so we as business people, uh, sharpening up and want to be better in the marketplace, could well go and drink from the incredible well of Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And in that message in chapter 5, verse 40, he begins to talk about a very contrarian view of life. And what he says, he says, if someone hits you on one cheek, this is a very primary passage, if someone slaps you on one cheek, turn the other cheek. Because a second illustration, if someone sues you for your shirt, give them your coat also. And then he says, 
that if one of those stinky Roman soldiers asks you to carry a backpack for one mile, he says, go the second mile. Now, that was a very poignant illustration at the time because they knew exactly what he was talking about because the, it said that uh, they would put stones one mile either side of their driveway, 5,280 feet. That's the Roman road, the Roman mile, uh, from which it, that expression, they would put a stone there so they wouldn't have to step one step beyond that, right up to the edge. Because you go, if you don't get to the edge, the one mile marker, you know, they're going to lock you up. And it was a way to keep people in their place was to, to have people care stuff. So how do we apply this in business? Well, in business, as with all scripture, you have to memorize it. You have to think about it. You have to, you have to think about it. You have to abide in God's word. Of course, we all know that. But it's in abiding in God's word and thinking about it that we begin to get the power that was intended to transform our lives and the way in which we're going to radiate this light in a dark world is when we take this powerful truth that is contrarian today as it was 2,000 years ago. So think about what happens to that Roman soldier when you're carrying the backpack and, and Jesus, you just heard him say that when you get to the one mile marker, you're supposed to keep on walking. So the one mile is about what's expected. The second mile is about what's unexpected. Jesus knew there's not enough Malocs and CBSs in Jerusalem to deal with all this anger and bitterness and rage that continues to boil up within inside us today as it did 2,000 years ago when we're uh, living an impressive life uh, with anger and bitterness all caught up in our work. Thank God it's Friday, almost as if we're you know, ready to, you know, that work is not fulfilling and so forth. Jesus said, if you'll walk step over that one mile marker and you get into the second mile, every step we take past that one mile marker, rage and bitterness and anger begins to subside in our own heart. And then look what it does to that Roman soldier who is jaw dropping. Why are you continuing to walk after you've already passed the one mile marker? Now, when we take that into the marketplace and we give people what they expect, a clean parking lot, soap in the dispenser, two pickles on the Chick-fil-A sandwich. Welcome to Chick-fil-A, may I take your order, please? That's the first 5,280 feet that people expect. That's what they're paying for. But if you want to distinguish yourself against the competition, no matter what the industry is, then according to what we just learned on Sunday, that's going to help us on Monday, and listening to what Brother Todd said to us, he said, you're going to have to step over that one mile marker and you're going to have to start getting into the realm of the unexpected. And so that's what began to transform our thinking about service and how it could be a huge differentiator. And I'm happy to report based on surveys that for the eighth consecutive year in a row, Chick-fil-A is the number one most favorite brand in America. Now, the way you say that in a concise statement is second mile, second nature. Is that right? Yes. Did I get that right? 2M, 2N. Make second mile, second nature. Okay. So even though you may not work at Chick-fil-A, we can do that, right? We can make second mile, second nature. And you're doing it. How do you train? How do, what's the training look like? Because some of us are dealing with people we're bringing on our teams, and we've got to help train them to have this 
heart of Christ as they serve the body of Christ? Well, the starting point is not training. The starting point is the clarity of the vision of the experience that you want people to have. Okay. So start with the clarity of the experience that you want people to have and don't compromise that experience. Then based on that, select people that can deliver on the experience that you want to see happen. So selection is very important. So you start with the vision, you get the right people, and then you communicate the why we're doing this and then the technique on how to happen. Don't get into teaching a lot of technique unless they fully understand why are we doing this. The more time you and I as leaders spend on why, the less time we have to spend on how to make it happen. People can pretty much figure it out if they understand the why of what we're trying to do. And they know the why of this whole thing is about transforming people's lives. (laughs) And you and I, uh, whether it's on a Sunday or a Monday, have been commissioned to be an agent that God's gonna work through us to impact people's lives. They understand that. They're gonna wanna walk people to the nursery area. They're gonna wanna walk people to get to the worship center and take them. And they wanna also, by the way, how's mom and them? What's going on in your life? That may not be all scripted out, but they're gonna wanna know about what's going on in that person's life. Because every life has a story. Every life has a story. So it's simply a camera walking through any Chick-fil-A restaurant and it gives a little bit of what's going on in these people's lives. And there's a a lady sitting there by herself and this would have been her 50th anniversary, but her husband passed away. Here's a mom over here and she's got two, two kids and they went through a divorce and she's wondering how she's gonna make ends meet. Here's a teenager walking through. He's thinking about suicide walking through a Chick-fil-A dining room. Here's a little girl that's walking through the the dining room and their mom and dad, the the mother passed away at childbirth and her dad blames her for the fact he doesn't have a wife anymore. Imagine living with that. And so we see all these little circumstances and everybody's got a story sitting in our dining room. It makes a big difference as to how we're gonna interface with people to realize every life has a story. Everybody that gets out of this parking lot out here, you know, they got something that's going on in their life. And and our job, you know, as dream makers, am I using the right term, Brian? Dream makers, dream I like makers. it. Our, our job, we use the term door holders at our little country church called Passion City Church. And wow, Louis Giglio, he's a small startup. Never heard of him. Start up. So our job is to realize when they get out of that car and they're coming across that parking lot, there's gonna to have to be a huge transformation in their life from reality uh, to, a, to another way of thinking about life. That's great. And God's gonna use us and our graciousness, our kindness, the inflections, the subtleties of our voice and the words that we use that comes from a clear mission of what we're trying to do for people. Uh, as they come across that lot, parking lot, Proverbs 11.25, I believe it is. But here's the neat thing about it. He who refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. I got issues too. And the way God wants me to medicate and deal with and cope about the challenges that are going on in my life is to get involved in the life of someone else. And the more I can get enthralled with serving other people, it's this huge cycle 
a flywheel of renewal that comes back in my life. And then I'm looking forward to seeing if I help somebody else because that becomes the part of the solution for coping mechanisms for me. Just before Julie jumps in with this next question, I wanted to pull out, guys, what don't, he don't said there. I know we got toilet, little, I know, got toilet paper. I see it right there. I'm a little haunted by it, right. but it's there. He said it's the nuances. Did you pick up on that? It's the tone of your voice. It's uh, making eye contact and staying there and not being like, yeah, yeah, we, we're, it's staying with them. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's caring. It's praying. Holy Spirit, help me know what this person needs because the Holy Spirit knows exactly what that person needs and what they've been through. You may not know, but he can help you. He helps me know how to pray for people. He helps me know what words to say and he'll help you do that as well. If you come in when you're time to serve, you're, you're coming in with this lean in of God use me today. I'm not just holding open the door. I mean, I, I'm helping somebody cross over from their reality to a greater reality that you want to speak into their lives. So thank you for that, Dan. I love that. You know, one thing we say around here is that we want every environment we walk into to be a reflection of the full abundant life that Jesus came to give. And so that's what you're talking about. And that's what I feel many times when we walk into a Chick-fil-A restaurant. It's just a reflection yeah. of the goodness of God. Yes, and even though, you know, people may not overtly speak those words out loud, but it is the tone. It is the action. It is the my place. It's the value. It's the value add to people. Julie, uh, one of a transforming uh, thing that really helped me think about this came from a retired Chick-fil-A operator, Frank Lone, around Denver, Colorado. And he shared this with me, which I think will, will help you as you're, as you're thinking about what's happening here. When we're our very best, why is this so impactful to people? And uh, Frank reminded me, he said, Dan, the term restaurant is a French word. And it means a place of restoration. Wow. Now, my southern accent, I can't say restaurant, you know, <laughs> as, as a Frenchman would. But uh, I, I began to think about that. It's great. A restaurant is a place of restoration. Mm. When I think about restoring a piece of furniture, I think about a beat up table, you know, where things have been dropped on, it's a little beat up and so forth. And, you know, but it can be restored. And I'm going to take some sandpaper and kind of sand it back down. I'm going to have to hand rub some oils and varnish or whatever it may be into it. But I can restore it. I can bring new purpose, you know, to that worn out piece of furniture. In fact, in our Chick-fil-A restaurants, now we have a family table. Maybe you've seen there. That's a bunch of discarded old wood that's been repurposed. And by the way, if you drop your napkin, look underneath the table, there's a signature from the young man that's part of a ministry called A Better Way who is involved in substance abuse issues. And we hire these guys to make these tables that are in virtually all of our Chick-fil-A restaurants now. But it's the reminder that a restaurant, when we come eat there, it's a place of rest, it's there to restore us. Now, if you're a teenager, it's about 80% restoration down here and 20% restoration up here. But if you're an adult, it's about 80% restoration up here and only 20% down here. That's why the words, the nuances, the reflections, because we've got all kinds of stuff that's going on. But when that, you come into that parking lot, either going through the drive-thru or you walk inside, there's got to be that our mindset just like the mindset that you're advocating here, which we need here uh, in all of our churches, is this is a place to restore people. This is a time to restore encouragement, affirmation, that they don't get any place else. And when they go through that Chick-fil-A, and we do say it's my pleasure with sincerity, it doesn't fix anybody's problem. 
but it helps them cope. Uh, I remember going through one of our drive-thrus years ago, and this lady, as she handed me our food, she said, I hope you have a really good day. She said that with such genuineness. I had to keep moving because I had all these cars behind me. I didn't want to slow the Chick-fil-A line down. But when I left, I said, man, that was so, all that so, how did she know that I needed to hear that? And it just kind of set my day up, you know, ready to go. So we just never know those nuances, the inflections that, uh, and the impact we can have on people's lives. We don't have no idea what's going on in their life. But this can be a place of restoration. That's so good. I, I love that. And, you know, um, I was thinking about the fact that one of your values at Chick-fil-A is to pursue what's next. That, um, that everything you're talking about, you know, this, this place of restoration, this vision of adding value to people, that you don't want it just to stay in the here and now, but you're actually working now on how to carry that into the future. And as a church, we're always thinking that way too. And so I would just maybe ask um, how, how you, what are you doing as an organization to be able to pursue what's next, the challenge, to be ready for the challenges that are ahead of us? And why is it important for us as a church to continually pursue what's next. Yes. Well, the mission of the church is to consistently stay relevant you know, to the age in which we're in today. Uh, you, can, you cannot have a, an impact unless you're having a relationship. Yeah. We've got to focus on having a relationship. That's so important. Then we can have an impact. That's great. That's this great. past Sunday, I had two Muslim young men. They were 23 and 24 years old. They were close buddies all their life. They had never been in a Protestant church. Uh, only a synagogue, only a mosque. And they were my guests this past Sunday at uh, Passion City Church at our trailer studio operation there. And I've been working on a relationship so that I could have an impact. And because I had had them sitting in with me on a couple other things during the week, they said, well, when I asked them to come to join me for our 9.30 gathering, uh, they said, sure. Uh, and so they came. So uh, I'm not going to be here this coming Sunday. So I texted him last night, Assad. I said, Assad, now, let me just tell you, I'm not going to be there Sunday because I'm going to be down here in Florida. But um, I hope that you and your friend will please come, you know, to Passion City Church tomorrow. And he said, oh, yes, we're, we're going to be there. I was amazed. They were so into our service. Our service is just like the celebration you have here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a get with it relevant church. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that people want to come and enjoy yeah, coming. Yeah. They want to come back next week. Yeah. So it's that sense of relevancy uh, that we have to have. I had a Muslim friend, uh, Mutar Kent, CEO of Coca-Cola, Muslim. I was teaching a youth Sunday school. He came twice and taught my Sunday school class. Now, you can imagine a lot of discussion at, at the lunch table with the parents about you had a Muslim teaching Sunday school. And he made the comment that what, what the Muslim faith needed was to be modernized. And so we need to constantly perpetually be modernized. And part of the way that we do that, Julie, I think is we have to travel. We have to see a lot of things that are going on, perpetually stay relevant. Uh, one of my new best friends is a guy named Mr. Beast. How many people here know who Mr. Beast is? A couple of you may know Mr. Beast. 100 million followers on YouTube. Uh And I'm best friends. I got a text from him last night. Mr. Beast. Now most of you, shame on you. You have no idea who I'm I'm talking about. (laughs) 
But you ask I'm gonna any, go follow Mr. Beast. Yeah. So you ask anybody that's in that seven to 15 year age range, and right. he, is the, he is the cat's meow. Uh, and so I think we have to curate these relationships and we have to lean into things uh, uh, very relevant. What's going on today? How can we stay engaged? How can we have an impact? We've heard you say before that uh, Chick-fil-A is a restaurant disguised. No, sorry. It's a leadership Deve- organization, development organization disguised as a restaurant, right? So, you're, so unpack that just a little bit because we've got business owners in the room uh, as well as a lot of dream team that's just helping us build out here, but it's about building into people's leadership, right? So they can be who they're called to be. Speak to that just a minute. Yeah. So every organization has to constantly be curating, you know, great talent and nurturing that great talent. When the leader uh, has a sense of curiosity, when the leader is, uh, is studying, uh, when the leader is in training, they attract other learners that want to draft off that learning environment that's there. They know that person's going places. It's not just the value they get. They, they figure, quickly figure this out. This is not just about $15, $18, $20 an hour, whatever the wage rate. Maybe. This is what I'm gaining for my life, for my career, by drafting of the kind of leader that I'm associated with. That's where the real value comes in. Yeah. So uh, as we ourselves are learning, as we're um, uh, reading books, going to conferences, listening to podcasts, and the people in the organization, they get to draft all that. You know, when they hear us talking about the latest book that we just read or the latest podcast that we're subscribing to, they know that leaders go in places. And they know, I need to start reading books. I need to be listening to podcasts. I need to be going to conferences. I need to have an attitude of a, a learner. Then that begins to elevate the whole organization and that movement, that upward mobility of education, of intrigue, of it creates a mobility of economic opportunity is what it does. And we have some 70% of our restaurant operators came from being hourly team members who were caught up in this, this flywheel of learning and enrichment and so forth that's going on. Uh, we just had recently, just uh, last week, two weeks ago, uh, in Chicago at uh, Willow Creek had their global leadership thing that Craig Rochelle, Craig, he, uh, he's a small little country pastor. <laughs> yeah, Oklahoma. And uh, we had, at one time, we had two charter Delta planes going to Chicago to the global leadership. We've always been trafficking with the Jim Collins and the Marcus Buckinghams and the John Maxwells and all the other folks. And that, that cycle and Atmosphere and culture of growth and development becomes a magnet for great talent. That's so great. Because so of time, yeah. we're going to ask you one last question. Don't, don't forget. And then we're going to go to the toilet paper. Okay. <laughs> I want you to take a minute and give a word of encouragement, some words of wisdom to the people that are gathered here today that serve the body of Christ. One of the most important responsibilities on the planet these men and women have today. And what's uh, a word of encouragement you give them, word of wisdom you give them as they do that? Yeah, so any of us that are gonna be at the top of our game have to practice excellence. And so I like to say we all need to practice our serve. That's, a, that's an expression, obviously, that we would learn you know, in tennis is to practice your serve. But I use it in my own life when I go through our dining rooms um, I'm having to practice my serve. 
Uh, we just went through the trauma, as we all know, of the last two years of COVID. And we had to redeploy all of our people that were in our dining rooms. We had to redeploy them out in the drive-thru. And we dramatically ramped up the experience and so forth. And now we're reopening our dining rooms. And we're having to get our mojo going again. You know, we're, gonna have, we're having to learn how to do table touch-ins all over again. Uh, we're having to learn how to pull that pepper grinder back out and offer fresh ground pepper. Now, brother, that'll shock. That's the, shock. That's the second mile. First mile is the little pepper, you know, paper, in the condiment stand. Thing, you know, yeah. The second mile is when, the, when these heathen barbaric young people walk up with a pepper grinder. <laughs> and we have these ladies, they don't even like pepper, but it feels so nice, you know, <laughs> at, at an $8 price point restaurant for somebody to offer fresh ground pepper. Right. You know? Uh, and, and, and fresh flowers, you know, plastic flowers, that's first mile. So the second mile is fresh flowers that are on those tables. And so that first mile, okay, that's it. I was like, to, I'm not sure about that. I think that may, I think that's first mile. That's first mile. Next time. That's first mile. Yeah. So for all of us, what would be second mile? What would be the second mile? God wants to work in our life in the second mile. The first mile is from the head. The second mile has to come from the heart, but it's what happens from here it impacts the heart of someone else. And it's only limited by God's Holy Spirit working in our life to bring to our attention the boldness and the courage to step forward into the second mile. And in doing so, we can change the lives of people. Amen, amen, thank you for that. Okay. Is Are you time? ready to jump to the toilet? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> think. Uh, this is going to be good. So, um, so I, I brought this. I have a leadership toolkit. It's an old leather bag, and I've got a bunch of stuff in it. I've got an oxygen mask in there that talks about leaders have to put their oxygen mask on first. I've got a conductor's baton talking about how leaders have to follow the composition of the composer and so forth. I've got a railroad spike in there that talks about staying on track and so forth. All these leadership tool things that I've done over years to teach. But this was one since I was down here in the swanky area, down here in South Florida. But uh, this, is, this is really a good one. And, and, and uh, I've had a lot of practice with this. And so I'm, I'm speaking from experience here on this. So Todd, I want you to put that microphone down. You don't need the microphone for this. So put your two fingers together here. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna put this right here. Now, I noticed in these swanky hotels that they often fold the toilet paper. And they typically charge you a hundred dollars more at the, a night, a night, when you go to the folded toilet paper. And so years ago, I thought to myself, if they can create a hundred dollars a night additional value uh, in these hotel rooms, I wonder uh, if I could go home. I wonder if I started folding the toilet paper at home. I wonder if it would have the same impact on my wife. Uh, as, it, as it would um, 
on my visa bill when I get charged at the hotel. So I started studying all the different ways in which toilet paper is folded at different, at different um, hotels. And I, I was going to study that. I studied that because they, they sometimes they make little flowers on the end of it. I mean, they get incredibly fancy on how they do this. So I'm going to give, I'm going to show you how they, the one, the technique that I like the best. And by the way, if you turn a toilet paper roll like this, that is totally un-American. <laughs> absolutely un-American. So please go ahead and, and correct that situation right back to the So there, so what you do, make this thing work, is you fold that first half sheet back, just like this, a little straight line. And then you make a little airplane. You remember how they make little airplanes when you were a kid? So you make a little fold right there. And then you make a little fold over here. And, you lay, and then you press, do, be, take your thumb and do this right there. And, and there's there. And so you'll have to report this later on to see the impact this has on your marriage relationship. But um, imagine what Miss Julie uh, comes in and she needs to use this, how convenient it is that you went ahead and folded that toilet paper for her. And then ask her the question, which I do to my wife, not every time, but just enough to help her remember. I said, Ron, Rhonda, I said, Rhonda, why did I fold that toilet paper for you? And she said, I know, cause you love me. And she gives me that little whiny response and so forth there. But I'll take it, even though I know it's a little whiny, uh, I'll, I'll take it because it's better than nothing, but it's just a little quickie that uh, this is a little I love you message. So if all the husbands that are here want to take this, now get the picture. That's just the fact that you replaced the toilet. That's first mile. True story. But you don't get any brownie points. But if you'll do this, uh -oh. at some point along the way, I hope and pray for you that you get a little second mile okay. uh, effect and so forth this year. How about that? Would you help me thank Dan Kathy for being here? Come on, let's thank him. Well, I don't know about you, but it was truly our pleasure to have that conversation with Dan Kathy. I love that we're taking the time this season to unpack how to become a difference maker. And Dan Kathy and his father Truett really have been huge difference makers, not only in the fast food chicken industry, but in the way that they care about people and they've impacted people by just investing in their story. You know, in leadership, a spirit of excellence always increases our influence. It values people and it honors God. Well, I hate that this episode is already over, but remember to check out our show notes and for more information and thoughts and even a group guide of how to take this conversation to the next level, make sure you check out all the show notes. Love you ladies, and I can't wait for our next conversation together. We're so glad you joined us today for the So Good Sisterhood podcast. For additional resources and show notes from today's episode, check out our website, sogoodsisterhood.com. Remember, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but He's always doing a new thing. What step are you going to take today so you don't miss out on it? If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with a friend or just leave us a comment. We hope today's episode leaves you feeling so good.